Hello, everyone, and welcome to Grip Locked, Foundation Disc Golf's weekly podcast. I'm Hunter, joined, as always, by Trevor. Uh, we got a few different things to talk about. Not a huge bunch of storylines, but there's a bunch of tournaments that went on last week. Um, it always feels weird after Worlds, like trying to come back to reality. I felt like, the, like it felt like the season was over to yeah. me. I was just like... Oh, there's more events happening. Like the world is still turning. Oh, I, I d- thought disc we, golf's still going on. I thought we all just needed to take a little break for a second so we could just process what had happened. It's like the second season, part season disc golf season it feels part like. two. It feels like the disc golf season. It feels like literally like we're restarting and we're like building up to the next major, which I love. Yeah. But so today. last week we had the Clash of Canyons, Clash of the Canyons, which was a disc golf pro tour silver series event. Uh, there are some pretty notable names there, but. Not that these top three aren't notable, but you're not going to hear the notable names in this top three. Like, I believe Nico was there. A um, few other names. I forget exactly who was there because there was another event that happened, which was the Minnesota Majestic, that also had notable names. Was such Calvin as at this one? Kevin yeah. Jones, James Conrad, Garrett Gerthy. Was Calvin at the Clash? I'm not sure, actually. Here. I feel like he was. I feel Connor like- can look that up. Connor, look up the Clash of the Canyons. We're starting off on a strong foot. But basically, what I was going to say is we had a playoff between Terry Roethlisberger and Dan Schlitter. Dan Schlitter ended up winning in the playoff, and Chandler Fry ended up coming in third on the MPO side. Uh, this raised a question to me, which is, who the heck is Dan Schlitter? I never heard of the guy. I hadn't either. Discraft he Dan. is unranked on the U-Disc World Rankings. Maybe Completely unranked. Because so, I wanted to be able to be like, the probability of him winning this event against this field, tried doing it, and he's not even ranked. Yeah. Uh, he's local to Illinois, which is where this tournament was. He doesn't seem to really be touring much. He played at like the Las Vegas Challenge and at Memorial and stuff early in the season but doesn't look like he's like really touring much outside of illinois so he can play like ledgestone and stuff like that later in the season but he has 23 career wins but this is his first a tier win wow that's impressive and what a time to do it than at a silver series event yeah uh the nicky macho brought up a good point which like this event felt like what the silver series events were like supposed to be or like used to be like at the beginning of the season silver series events were drawing like the rickies paul's yeah eagles to where like they're basically another pro tour event mm-hmm. um whereas this seems to be back to like a good field but like that like almost at like entry tour level field if that makes right, sense yeah. but i do not see kevin jones name on the list i was looking for calvin no not calvin heinberg well just tell who's sort the by high, rating yeah who's the sort highest by rating and tell us the highest rated players there so we can okay. give a good scope of who dan schlitter beat this week you can just like tap the rating at the top and we'll bring him up you can do it. Got it? It's sort of the opposite way. There we go. There you go. We have, um, well, the top rated person was Philo. Okay. Philo, Nico, Noah. Uh, Noah who? Mintma. That's Majestic. Hmm? That's the Minnesota Majestic. This is Clash of Canyons. Clash of the Canyons. Which year? 2020. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say because no one like, just won. No one the just won the Minnesota Majestic. I was, I was, like, I was like, did we like mess up something brutally here? <laughs> why, is, why is that the one that came up whenever I looked it up? I don't know, man. The PDJ website is a mess. That's why. You got you to gotta pay attention to what you're clicking on. It should say Silver Series, too. Well, now we're just too invested, so we're just gonna wait for Connor. Here. Now, I, <laughs> don't I like, just wait. For I no, like, we're waiting. For I you. like it when you're under the gun. Like, yeah, this. you're under pressure right now, man. Everyone's waiting on you. Canyon Silver Series. Yeah. All right. Here yeah. we go. Sort by that rating. Tell me who was there. 
since I didn't do my research. All right, Nico. Yeah, okay. Andrew Marweed, Chandler Fry, Gavin Rathbun, Ezra Robinson. Okay. So the the biggest notable name is Nico. Yeah. So what like I was saying, well, it's like a true Silver Series field where there's yeah. like several players above a thousand rated, one or two like top guys, and then the rest are just like local pros and stuff like that trying to make a name for themselves. But it's a very impressive win for Dan Schlitter because he he beat a pretty strong field and had to go to a playoff with Terry Roethlisberger, which Terry made a name for himself. I believe it was D-Glow last year or two years ago when Paul shot that like 18 down. Yeah. Terry, I believe, was the guy who was like right behind him. Mm-hmm. Or was that Willie Prince? Mm, it might have been Willie Prince, actually. might have been Willie Prince. Terry's made a name for himself on the Pro Tour at, at an event. I remember there was like a breakout event for Terry. For some reason, I thought it was that, but I don't think it was. Uh, on the FPO side, we had Krishna Tatar taking it down. Uh, good to see her getting another win back stateside we also had sarah gilpin coming second and holly finley coming third uh a lot of people were making a big deal about this Krishna tatar win um not that it wasn't a big deal but i wanted to see like how impressive was this really yeah and this is where i love the new statistics we have with the udisc world rankings because what it allows us to do is Krishna tatar is ranked fourth in the world holly finley is ranked 19th in the world and sarah gilpin is ranked 23rd in the world so using the udisc i believe they call it dominance dominance factor dominance factor or something like that uh using their dominance factor you can like compare them and see the percentage chance of winning these matchups yeah and so chris and tatar is expected to win 80 percent of the matchups between these three well, yeah i mean it's like everybody like it's still it's impressive to win at any point yeah. in disc golf right now but like Paige and cat are like if you looked at worlds even like that's clearly who she is. You know, he's going to be really. Well, even if Haley King was in this, field, right? Yeah, Haley wasn't there either. But that's what I'm saying. Like she, she should have won, and she exactly. did. Exactly. So it's not like it's a, it's not like it's not an impressive win because it was a Silver Series event. There, it was a, still a strong FPO field. Yeah. It's just she was missing those like three or four killers in the FPO yeah. field. So it was hers to lose. Yeah. She she basically had a 20 percent chance of losing, and she didn't. She won. So uh, still an impressive win. It probably felt really good to her to get another win. Uh, and like hopefully build some momentum i believe she's also playing in the um she'll be at des moines des moines challenge coming up this weekend which we'll talk about that later in the podcast so uh we'll see if it gives her some momentum rolling into that event as well but we also had the minnesota majestic which just was interesting to me because the majestic was just an a-tier and the clash of the canyons happened at the same time it's a silver series also just an a-tier sanctioning wise but like a silver series has a little bit more of an edge i feel like most times but people just love the Minnesota Majestic. So a lot of the like top, more top tier players, such as Double G, Kevin Jones, um, and James Conrad were at the Minnesota Majestic, which is probably why they weren't at the Clash of Canyons. But we had Noah Miensma taking it down. Kale Visca, Minnesota local legend. Um, you probably have heard his name on tour quite a bit as well. Yeah. He comes in second. And we had Ryan Sheldon, Double G, Kevin Jones, and Colin Bailey all tying for third. Uh, so again, kind of like Dan Schlitter, let's take a look into Noah Miensma. Dan Schlitter, I had never heard of before, before this event. Yeah. Um, Noah Miensma, at least I've heard of him before. He just got, well, he just got signed uh, this past off season. Yeah, I think he, did he go to DGA? He was with Innova for years. Yeah. Well, I, I think he went DGA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like I've, he's toured here and there for years. He's had some finishes where he's been on coverage and stuff like that to where, I've heard of him, but this was surprising to me is this was also his first A-tier win. Wow. That is yeah. very surprising. I didn't realize that. Um, Guys that get on tour like early on in their careers, though, like 
there that's kind of what's going to happen to you like if you're not playing local a lot before you go on tour yeah then like you probably won't win an a tier for a while because you're gonna have to beat everybody exactly (laughs) and this this is also another thing where i really love these u-disc things because it shows us the flip side of the coin so where krishna tatar had 80 percent of a chance to win noah miensma he's ranked 68th in the world and he at a field with James Conrad, Kevin Jones, and Double G. So those are the people I compared because those are the more notable names there. Mm-hmm. He only had a 1.9% chance of winning. That so 1.9% chance of beating a field that includes that James bet. Conrad, Kevin Jones, and Double G. And he did it. So uh, pretty impressive win. That's updated after he had won. So he might have had a lower you know percent what, chance going into the You know what's interesting? This is the first metric that this, this is like one of the first like i guess it, now i we don't know quite the accuracy of it but udisc is a pretty good company and they're pretty good with statistics but this is like kind of one of the first predictive um metrics that i've seen that could be used to like do um to like bet on disc golf sports betting like because you're seeing you're literally like right there you said it so if you're going to the event if you were able to bet on based off of dominant stuff like the, using that percentage and like you would have had, you know, a 1.9%, you know, you can adjust it to make the odds. But that's the first time I've seen, like, in our sport, we've had, like, a an accurate, now we're calling it accurate, like I said, but we don't completely know how accurate it is, but a predictive metric like yeah. that. It seems like it's, at, so after, one thing we talked about when we first saw it announced is we were going to, like, look at it over a few events and yeah. see it change. It does seem like it's pretty actively changing. The ranking system itself, to me, seems to be pretty solid. I and don't. It's all based on the dominance. Yeah, it's just I don't. I guess I'd have to look a little more into that equation to see how they're um, making it work with the with the dominance, like how they actually what all they actually factor into that. Whether it's just like literally their place in the rankings, or if there's other factors. Yeah, I looked into it. Because like from a math bet, is not from a betting thing. standpoint, you couldn't have you couldn't have let's say um, you have a Greg Barsby right, and you're playing an event in California versus an event in Virginia, for example. I don't think they factor location. Right. Stuff into so if it. you're not factoring location, that's where betting would get majorly skewed because everybody would be betting in on Greg Barsby because they're like, oh, his percentage is super low because his ranking isn't that high, but he's in California. So that's where that would falter, I suppose. Yeah, I guess that could be true. Um, I mean, from what I understand, the basic way it works is it's just based on who you beat in the field. Yeah. So like for Noah Miensma, his rating, his ranking and dominance index went up because he beat players like James Conrad, Kevin Jones, and Garrett Gerthy. Theirs would go down slightly because of who they lost to in that field. Yeah. Um, and so it kind of updates based simply based on who's in the field, the strength of the field, and who you're beating in that field. Um, that's kind of what I understood the very basics of it. There is an equation that it's like factoring all of that together and stuff like that, that that's the part that I'm glad there's statisticians that understand that because I'm not one of them. Stats but uh, ridiculously tough. Side note on the UDISC world ranking, because I was trying to like compare the full field, uh, like add in all the notable players is Kayla Visca somehow is not on there on the world rankings. Yeah. That's gotta be, I like scrolled through them. I, I thought at first I just like, you know, command F or control F searched his and name is he on the pro tour rankings. He's gotta be that, that I can find easily. I like control F searched his name on, on there. And I was like, well, maybe they just like have a, a misspell in his name. Yeah. So then I like scrolled through and just looked and yeah, there was no, there was no Kayla Visca. 
Uh, let me pull up the Pro Tour rankings here. Well, yeah, because there's like, a, what, 150 people in the UDISC rankings? I think it was more than that, but yeah, there's over 100 for I sure. I think it's like 159 or something like that. I was looking earlier. Yeah, and he would definitely be in the top. Well, I, I would say he's in the top 50. I would say I'm pretty sure he's a, he's top 50 in the, uh, in the Pro Tour rankings. And you would think, like, even though they're not directly correlated, they should be somewhat correlated. Well, yeah, because, I mean, if you're in the if top... top 50 in the Pro Tour rankings, you should be top 150 in the world here. rankings. Yeah, he's 27 yeah. in the Pro Tour rankings. So there's a mistake going on there. Yeah, he's just... Let me see. I think when you click on their profile, it typically shows you their world ranking, which his is not. Let me click on someone else's profile, like Eagle. Yeah, Eagle says world ranking one. And then if I scroll down to Kale Visca and click on his name, there's no world click ranking. Click on a guy like slightly behind Kale Visca in the Pro Tour rankings. All right, Andrew Presnell. Let's see where he should. His be. world ranking's 30. Yeah. So there's a, so all right, you disc if you're listening. Yeah. So somehow Kale is missing. Somehow he's missing from the equation. So that's why when I did the 1.9% chance, he might have had a little bit lower percent chance if he threw Kale into that mix as well. Yeah, probably. So very very impressive win for Noah Miensma on the FBO side. We had um, Jessica Weiss taking it down over Ellen Widboom coming in second, and then Lindsay Fish coming in third. It was good to see Jessica Weiss taking out another win. Yeah. I looked at her stats, and it's been almost exactly a year since her last win, which is kind of crazy. Wow. Yeah. It was like July, I think it was like July 15th or something of last year. So it's tough. A week shy of being an exact year since her last win, which, yeah, it was pretty surprising to me. Because she's always a very good player, and for sure, part of it I feel like is she must not be playing a lot of local tournaments because she could right. just clean she house. Could, yeah, those. I mean she could get a win if she really needed to. Yeah, it's just that she's got to beat Paige or Cat most weekends, right? To to get that win. Right. Uh, the other thing that we saw break with the Pro Tour last week, uh, it was literally Wednesday night after we shot Grip Lock last week, was the ESPN yeah. deal. In typical fashion, I think it was literally minutes after. Yeah, it was like ten minutes. I think <laughs> yeah. we had finished. We finished shooting the podcast, walked over my computer, I sat down, I saw the tweet. Oh, yeah. the frick? Are you kidding me? Very much. We um, we bring the news. <laughs> yeah, apparently. So something's going to happen after we get out of these chairs today. Probably, I mean, it probably hasn't an, happened in a while. Probably an update on this exact probably, thing. Probably. <laughs> that honestly is probably exactly what happened because my first line here says the full details of this deal are still unclear. <laughs> the full details are being released as we speak. The full details probably just got released on Old T-World and we just haven't seen it. Uh, but from what we can tell... So far, the Portland Open and the Pro Tour Championships are the only event tied to the deal. It looks like they're mainly going to be showing on ESPN2. Um, they're hoping that maybe they'll be able to break onto ESPN, but right now it looks like only ESPN2. But here's from a Ultra World Disc Golf wrote a full article on this and has like quotes from several different people. You should definitely check that out. But here's a quote from the article from Jeff Spring. Uh, it says, The contract shows that in regards to national broadcasting, disc golf is not just a filler for lack of a pandemic era sports programming, but instead a valuable asset that draws significant viewership with compelling content. The ESPN programming schedule is busier than ever with sports leagues from across the world coming back online, and we're excited to be a part of it. So I think he makes an important point there. Like, a very good point. Last year we got on ESPN, everyone was saying, well, yeah, because there's no sports on, disc golf's one of the few sports. Yeah. Now every sport's back. Right. Even, I mean, everything's going on right now. There's even we, Olympic content. Do we know when the broadcast dates are? The first one's August 6th, I believe. August 6th. Like the August yeah, 4th so or August 6th. Yeah, it's in the beginning of August. Before the Olympics, I think. And like, see, the one thing, so the one thing about to note about August 6th is 
you won't have the NBA back, you won't have the NHL back, and you won't have football yet. So, it but they're is. also doing the Pro Tour Championship, which doesn't even happen till October. Now that one, that one could be different, but for this first event, it is in the in the barren patch of sports where only baseball. Which it looks is like on. that first event will probably be the Portland Open. Yeah, and they said that they're going to be working with Gatekeeper, GK Pro, Jomez in this the Bluefoot Media, which is the same people who put it on last year. Um, to kind of compile all the footage together and have like two one-hour broadcasts is what it seems like. So I'd imagine like they did last year was like yeah. an hour MPO, hour FPO or something like that. Um, like I said, the full details on the nitty-gritty stuff haven't been released, but what, what this does kind of bring up is a question of like, well, two things. First off, um, I'm wondering if like at what point and this might be the point where disc golf being on TV isn't special right. to two disc golfers, right? And yeah. the secondary question to that is what does the viewership look like then? Because right now, if disc golf, like last year when disc golf got on ESPN, the viewership was good. It was pretty, like, yeah. especially for what I would expect, viewership was pretty great. But that's because every disc golfer was freaking out and telling their friends. Yeah. Once you get on ESPN a little bit more, a little bit more, then it's like you stop freaking out as much. I wonder what the viewership is going to look like when it's just uh, that. Yeah, it'd be one thing if like it was like Disc Golf Network started broadcasting through some like small local network and that was where it was, but like the fact anytime we get on ESPN, it's going to be I mean, we're years and years and years away from being a regular stay on ESPN. I mean, I think we could get to the spot pretty soon maybe to where we are consistently getting our biggest events on ESPN. But, you know, we haven't even made it to the main network yet. And, yeah, like I said, I think we are so far away from being a mainstay on the network to where it'll be a while before people aren't super freaking out about it, which is good, though. That's, like, that's what we have to do. We have to say that we have to show them that we're going to get behind it. I'm curious, you know, I, the fact that ESPN has come back to disc golf and continues coming back is really encouraging because it means that it's still to them worth pursuing. Now, like I mentioned, that first broadcast is going to be right in the middle of where they've got Jack Squat to show as far as well, I that's know. That's kind of where the disc golf season falls, which is what makes right, it great. Right, which is it's basically what go baseball and disc golf are going on. Well, and some golf here but and there. That, right now, the end, like if they were doing broadcasting things as they were happening, like Worlds, for example, that would have been during the NHL and NBA finals. Yeah. Like, so like it would not have happened. Yeah. But um, I. Well, although to, be, off fair, days, to be fair, ESPN isn't always broadcasting all these things. Although they are going to have the NHL next year, um, but I don't. I don't know. I'm guessing their game is probably still. They're just feeling it out, and they want to be the first. They they're establishing that relationship with disc golf to where the Pro Tour is going to have some loyalty to ESPN if it does get to the point where there's multiple networks down the road trying to basically bid for disc golf, which just sounds unreal. <laughs> I, what I do suspect though and i i always wonder like what kind of deal that the disc golf pro tour is striking with espn but i guarantee you that espn is absolutely fleecing the pro tour like whatever they're paying for disc golf and i don't blame the pro tour because a the pro tour doesn't really know what they're worth especially on the stage of big network television yeah and b 
Disc Golf Pro Tour knows they just need the exposure. So for them, it's really a, a marketing play. Yeah, well, the, the Pro Tour did say that this deal was monetarily better for them, but all they alluded to in that was that there was more spots that the Pro Tour could sell commercial-wise. Yeah, and I think... So it might be a, a deal as simple as you give us the coverage, we'll give you X amount of spots that you can sell, and that's that. Yeah, like, the, I mean, obviously, yeah, ESPN is not pay- going to be paying a ton for it, but, like, I don't think it's an issue. I think, well, once we get... Once we do start to get bigger, I think hopefully we're, you know, the Pro Tour is aware as to what they're owed so they're not underpaid. But right now, it's definitely a non-issue, I think. Yeah. Now, the secondary question I think this brings, because, like, I think part of the issue that'll happen as we get, because to me, this is a good sign that disc golf might start being, like, a few events a year, like you were saying, yeah. on ESPN, ESPN's network, whether that's ESPN2 or whatever it may be. Um, but... The, the thing is, it's it's always going to be this post-produced coverage for right now. Right. Um, and the thing that might hurt it is that as that becomes less special, us being on ESPN, the disc golf fans, who will make up a lot of viewers, I feel like, on ESPN, have already watched these events. Like yeah. the Portland Open, um, you know, the Pro Tour finale. We're going to have already seen it when it gets on. Some of us will tune in just because it's like we're on ESPN. That's right, it. Yeah. But as that allure goes away, as the like specialness goes away, I'm wondering how much that's going to hurt us. Um, but the side thing is like, how far away are we from live disc golf even being on TV? Right. It's that that comes down to basically whenever ESPN decides it's worth the resources and that they, they can get the live viewership. Um, to make it worth the resources because the thing is not only they don't need a ton of cameras you know to basically produce what they're already producing but when they decide to show um when espn broadcasts a sport like now disc golf would be the disc golf fans might get on that espn broadcast and point the finger at the pro tour for things but everybody else is going to point the finger at espn for anything that happens so espn is not going to go to a pro tour event and give you the product that we get from disc golf network they're going to give you an espn level product so even though well they only need four cameras to replicate the product that we have right now they're not going to do that they're probably going to go all out they also need to have a truck on site so that they can actually broadcast it yeah there's a lot that goes into it and golf because here's the other thing maybe like i don't know you know, when ESPN obviously does golf coverage, you know, they've got towers in place for the, for cameras. They've got all this stuff that goes into, you know, building structures before the event even starts. I don't know how, what they would feel would be necessary for them to, in their minds, capture disc golf the way that they feel like it'd be good enough for their network. Cause that could be, maybe the issue isn't the resources. It isn't, um, you know, the sport isn't there yet. Maybe it's, we're not sure that we can capture disc golf in the way that we feel is good enough for our network yet. Yeah. Cause it, it seems weird. Like if you picture a golf tournament, cause that's the coverage that's most similar. Yeah. Really. If you picture any sporting event, it feels weird if it was on ESPN, they have the like cameras that they use for ESPN and everything to like picture them walking down the fairway. That does happen in golf, but it's like one camera. Right. But the picture, like the main cameras are being carried down the fairway the whole time. Exactly. That just seems odd. They're in towers. They've got blimps. Like there's so many cameras and mics too. Like they've got mics placed everywhere. It's a, it is a production. And like yeah. there is a lot of money involved in the broadcast deals for golf events like that. So as far as we know, disc golf may be miles behind that. Cause right yeah. now ESPN is literally. 
approving a file, maybe giving them their artwork and just broadcast. Like they're yeah. not they're not doing anything. So for them, it makes so much sense to put put disc golf on the network. It's it's like literally just free time slots that they can just throw in there and you know move the needle a bit in a sport that people love. Because broadcasting it live is just a whole different ballgame. Well, I think, a, yeah, I, I think we are maybe getting closer to having like a pro tour finale being live, like maybe within the next five years. Oh, wow! But it could be, it could I, be to way me, it's longer. still unfathomable. Really? I like, I would be surprised. I mean, maybe because it's hard to predict the growth of disc golf because I'm, we just we just witnessed explosive growth that isn't sustainable in the covid era and like all these players getting in and the yeah. social media blowing up of disc golf that that's not sustainable so then at one point we're going to get like a quote-unquote down year disc golf is going to keep growing but the just a picturing what i feel like espn would require to have it because like it's not as simple as the disc golf network's broadcast you just slap the espn logo because even just the technology behind it yeah it's not that simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even the graphics package, everything, like there's so much more work that goes into just picturing. Because like you were saying, ESPN isn't going to be okay with, not that the Disc, Disc Golf Network's like a subpar product, but when you're talking about broadcasting on national television, whole it's a whole game. different game. Absolutely. It's a whole different production level that Disc Golf's just not there. Because mm-hmm. they're not going to be okay with, I think we use like six to eight cameras covering two cards. There's just like, there's just no mistakes barely ever made when you talk about ESPN broadcasting. Yeah. Cause I mean, you've got guys in a truck, you know, the switchers like that are basically directors. Like those guys are insanely good. You've got massive teams. Yeah. You have like, right now we have, from what I understand, like three or four guys that are switching and doing the graphics. Yeah. You'd have to almost quadruple that. Yeah. For right. the graphics and just switching. And, Stuff like that is just where it starts to get unfathomable. And I also see a lot of disc golfers that like get upset. They're like, oh my gosh, cornholes on ESPN and like disc golf can't get there. Like that's how small we are. A, cornhole is pretty massive when it's all said and done. Professional cornhole isn't. But I mean, everyone you know is throwing cornhole. It's recognizable. Yeah. B, they can broadcast that with like two cameras and probably like one ESPN reporter. And then just to have the normal commentators. Like, that to them is probably just as easy and as cheap as broadcasting post-produced disc golf. Yeah, oh, it's... it's to where it's yeah. like, we send... And that's the type of stuff that you might be able to use on-hand cameras and stuff because it's like, we can control the entire environment. We don't have to, like, worry about weather. We don't have to worry about we're in the woods. Like, broadcasting cornhole and broadcasting disc golf, like, you can't even try to compare those two. Yeah. Like that's the e- broadcasting cornhole is probably got to be one of the easiest things to do, and so it's the same type of idea of like, yeah, we'll throw it on our network, yeah, because like why the heck not? It's exactly, so easy, exactly. Uh, but I'm just interested to see if, like, over the next two or three years, whenever disc golf does become a little bit more relevant and like uh, on ESPN regularly, if the th- the fact that we're gonna have the live coverage and our normal post produced coverage of these events already out, and disc golf fans who want to consume disc golf have already watched them, if that's gonna hurt our long term chances with bigger networks? Yeah, I don't know because you know there might be a million plus viewers that have already watched the tournament that now won't watch ESPN because they already saw it happen. 
Yeah, I mean, maybe it's a matter too of if that starts to happen, Pro Tour having to cut off post-produced. Um, but the the disc golf fans are still going to watch it. So even if you cut off post-produced, like, well, then they're going to have to watch it through the disc golf network, though. Yeah, but I'm saying I'm talking about ESPN. I'm not talking about like coverage in general. I'm saying disc golf fans are going to watch disc golf as disc golf happens, whether right. it's post-produced, live, whatever happens. We're going to have already seen the Portland Open when two months later it's going to be on ESPN. Yeah. No matter how you see it, that the nitty gritty of that I don't think matters in this scenario. And I and like honestly, you've already seen it. Honestly, now that I have seen disc golf on ESPN, like I will tune in for the Portland Open on ESPN just to see if anything is different than the last time we were on ESPN. But I won't watch the whole thing. That's what I'm saying, and that's us. <laughs> yeah, it's literally our job. Yeah, like, and I'm feeling the same way. I'm like, that's I, sick. I'll tune in. I've seen them throw rollers all over that course for three yeah. hours. Like, yeah, that's what, and that's exactly what I'm saying. Is like that's what I already feel like my attitude towards it, and I'm like, hold up, like this is literally a part of my job, and that's my attitude. There's right. people who like they we watched it. It was cool. Mm-hmm. It still is cool. Don't get me wrong, but I'm wor- not really worried. I'm just wondering how much that's going to affect it. Yeah, because you know, if we tank this, like if the ESPN broadcast tanks now, they're gonna be like, oh well, it's a waste of our resources. But it's just because we've already seen it. But yeah. I don't really know if there's a good way around that. Because it, you can't stop producing disc golf content, post-produced and live. You can't like stop where people can consume it just so you can consume it on ESPN months later because we're gonna check the scores on U Disc then. Yeah. We're gonna like it's a weird, it's a weird spot because like disc golf is nowhere near being consistently live on ESPN. So like it's not really something we should be shooting for. What we should what would be great for the sport and the best goal is to get to the point where our most popular event of the year is live on on a network yeah that is where we want to be like if we could get, and that that i think if the the pro tour finale i feel like is the most obvious choice for that um, change the format <laughs> yeah but like or maybe usdgc but the issue with usdgc is like owned by innova it's, there, yeah there, there's this whole like ownership battle and innova hasn't shown any interest in espn coverage yet yeah um but like and even worlds, but what I'm saying is like if we could have it where ESPN can like know the course a year in advance and be like, okay, this we're gonna pick an open course because like I feel like setting up tower stuff in the woods can be a nightmare. Yeah, like we can pick a course where we can control the environment, we can control all of this, and just have like work it out. I could see something like that is more fathomable to me. Maybe somewhere that they already have infrastructure set up where. It's as simple as, like, we're already going to have mo- a lot of our crew in this area, so, like, it's easy just to send people there versus having to pay travel expenses and stuff like that. Right. I don't know. Logistically, I feel like a tournament like that I could see being live, but, like, consistent disc golf live on ESPN where it's, like, all of our majors are broadcast, that's what's unfathomable to me. Yeah. I mean, that's way, way, way down the line. Yeah. So that's where I'm, like, how far away from being live on ESPN or CBS or whatever, like, live disc golf on there. I mean, I'd just be happy if I ever saw it in my lifetime. Yeah. To be honest with you. Yeah. I think that'd be sick. But like, and at that point, that might not even be the most popular way to consume sports content. Who knows? So with that being said, it's time for the fan favorite segment, Trevor's Trivia. I heard you have a fun one for me today. I I, I got a bit of an interesting one today. Um, so today's a little, it's more of a game than trivia, but... That's what I love. Kind of both. So today, we're going to see how far... Or maybe maybe how fast, how how far, how fast, because it's not super difficult. You can get through the alphabet using just the first names of pros, MPO or FPO. Now, there are 
let's see, I think there are one, two, three, four, five letters that are pretty much impossible or not even possible at all. Um, so when you get to one, I will warn you of that. But the rest of them, you should be able to do pretty easily. Okay. I'm trying to think through, and I'm already stuck on B. So we'll just go with A, AJ Risley. Okay. B. B is not an easy one. Um, uh, Bo Tillman. Okay. He's not a really relevant pro anymore, but he's out of Oklahoma. I'll, I'll accept that. I've, I I kind of figured you'd stick to like relevant pros. Well, I, that was the first B that came to my mind. Okay. Wait, what's a relevant pro that starts with B? Ben Callaway. Oh, I didn't even think of him. Ben. Come on. Honey. He's one of the harder ones. Uh, C, Calvin Heinberg. Yeah. D, uh, Dave Felberg. Yeah. Eagle McMahon. Yep. Now, F is one of those near impossible ones. You're not going to get anybody super relevant. So if you could find a name, that'd be great. If not. He's got to be like a Fred or something. Frank Kaminsky. Frank the Tank. There's only one um, that I picked up that was like a name that I recognized. That's really tough. What are some F names? There's not. I can only think of like Frank. Frank and, and Fred and... I don't know of any disc golf named Fred. <laughs> the one... I, I'll, t- I'll tell you the one that I got. Yeah. It's Finley Buchanan Jacobs. Oh, I would never got back. Right, exactly. Yeah, that was a t- F was a was a pretty difficult. So do I one. lose because I or I keep going? No, you can keep going. Yeah. That's one of the words I said was going to be double like, G. Garrett Yeah. H. Um. Haley King. Yeah. Now I is the next one that is like I could not find anybody relevant with uh, Isaiah Esquivel. Esquivel. Who, who is that? He's a junior, absolute baller in like the fifteen under division, sponsored by DD. Is he a pro? I think he just went pro. Yeah, sixteen under. Something like that. He's like 16 or 17. And I think he just turned pro. Look him, I don't know how to spell his last name. I didn't even pronounce it right. What's his name? It's definitely Isaiah. Okay, I we'll just... go Isaac Robinson. Ah, oh, there you go. He's a pro. Plays okay. for Prodigy. Okay. So there we go. Great. J, James Conrad. Yeah. K, Kristen Tatar. Mm-hmm. J, K, L. <laughs> Gotta go through my alphabet. L. Yeah. This one's um, a little bit tough. Um, um, Leo Piernan. There you go. I had Lisa Vegas written down. Lisa Vegas, that would have been easier. J.K.L.M. Michael Johansson. Yeah. N. Nico LaCastro. O. 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 O'Reilly. Um, O's a tough one. Am I missing someone obvious? There's only, well, it's only kind of funny because, go ahead, Connor. Because I would say it's only kind of funny because like you practically already said their name. I mean, there's Connor O'Reilly, but that does, that's not his first name. No, not when you're saying. Just O'Reilly. say the letter. Just again. say the letter. Again. Oh, yeah. Owen. Con- Connor got it. Owen. <laughs> you're real close with that. It's like you're mispronouncing it. <laughs> oh, Owen. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now y'all like now even Silas got it stacking the shelves in the back, and I should know this. Owen Scoggins. There you there go. You go. <laughs> You're like, oh. Owen. Well, I was stuck on Owen for some reason. <laughs> Wait, isn't there a player Devin Owens? Is what I was thinking. Okay. So P Paige yeah. Pierce. Yeah. Um, and OP Q Q. Oh, Q's in, Q's impossible unless you know a Q. Uh, I know a Q in the junior division. Okay. Quentin Pentecoff. There you go. Shout out, Quentin. You want a junior grant? 
Um, what's after Q? P Q R R read for Skira. All right, I like these. Um, no Ricky, just read for Skira. I didn't even think of Ricky. Uh, S uh, Simon Lazat. Yeah. P Q R S T. Tristan Tanner. Yeah. Thomas Gilbert. There's a lot of those. U is also another one U. of those that's like darn near impossible. So like I couldn't really even find anybody relevant. Um, you, 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 you. I feel like there's got to be like a Uriah. What's another U Why name? Why does that sound familiar? Is there a Uriah? That does sound familiar. Connor. I don't know how to spell Uriah. Because you couldn't find a U? I, I was looking. I was basically looking through. The Pro Tour standings. Uriah standings. Johnson. And I was looking through like who was registered for recent tournaments and just sorting by alphabet to like find names, and I was not finding a U. Yeah, I can't think of a U. What's some U names other than Uriah? I don't know. U's tough. I'm gonna name my son something with a U one day. Eustace. Houston, we have a problem. Uh, Okay, so P Q R S T U V. Yes. V. (sighs) Vanessa Van Dyken. Yeah. T U V W. Mm Hmm. Um, first thing that came to my mind is like Wes Shinovar, but he's not. I don't think he's a pro. He's like the underground team manager. This guy's got so many names. Team Stamp Wes. Um, there's got to be a Wes though. W W or something. Um, Ulysses. Ulysses. Oh, Ulysses. There you go. A W. The best is golfer of all time. What? You would say Ken Climo. <laughs> Ken Climo. Oh my gosh, guys. You, Nate, Willie or, Prince. I'll, Will Schuster is who I have oh, Will down. Schuster. How am I forgetting these people? You literally, this guy, just for the record, Hunter, after I just said the greatest disco of all time, very first name that came to his mind was Ken Climo. Maybe not Paul just McBeth. My, that's just, maybe that's just my inner thoughts. That's your heart, man. So X is next? Ken Climo is the GOAT? Question mark? What's X? Uh, you're not going to find one for X. Xavier. Zenith. Savior. There's no X or Y that I could find. It's gotta be a Y. I feel like there's gotta be a Y, like a Finnish player. Maybe. Like Yvonne or something. Maybe. Yanni. Giannis. No. G. Okay, so then <laughs> there's a Z. Yeah. There's a Z. This is a lot easier than you think it is. That's not gonna help me. I know, I was just picking at you. Zebra. Xander Zachariah Johnson. That works. I had Zoe and Dyke. I said Zach Melton. Oh, that works. Too. Once, I, once I thought of Zach, then I was kind of yeah, sad. Exactly. All right, so there we go. That's pretty good. You, I love that you just threw out some names there that were just absolutely random. <laughs> they were just the first ones that came to my mind. Some shout outs out here. Yeah. Well, you know, some That's of good. them came from the Junior Worlds uh, because I was just looking through that list. Junior uh-huh. Worlds starts today, or when you're listening to this podcast, yesterday on Wednesday. Uh, always exciting. I didn't see if there's any coverage of this. I couldn't find where anyone's covering. It did, this usually event. isn't covered. Which no. is a, let, listen, I, in my opinion, watching like, like when I watch like the Little League World Series on TV, I think it's massively entertaining to watch like really talented youth players. I would love to see more youth disc golf. Like I'm talking about like the under 16s to where they don't even look like you can tell they're not adults. It's one thing that like the under 18s, those guys just look like pros at that point yeah but like i'm talking like the really younger players like it's so fun to watch how they compensate for them not being 
able to throw as far or well, like some the, of the like 12 and under kids will the rip, like, just looks massive in their hand like, it looks like they're throwing like one of those like yeah. do you ever throw that like hover thing yeah that was full like of helium huge, yeah. kid? that's a, that's what i'm saying like rip it farther than i can let's get some coverage of that people would watch there might Junior be coverage Worlds. maybe dynamic disc is doing coverage or dynamic has done highlights in the past but yeah. i don't think i've ever seen coverage of junior world's that I, can I know like USAMs and stuff like that I've seen coverage. But I know yeah, Junior, back I in the day, I definitely would know about it because I used to watch all the coverage of everything. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if like Terry Miller sent a crew, yeah, the disc golf guy Terry, or something like that. Come on, get out there. If we fly out right now, you think we would make it? To Emporia? I mean, we wouldn't make it for the first day, no. But we'd make it for the second. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's always exciting to see like the future of our sport on display here. We also have uh, four of our Junior Grant winners were able to make it to the event Two of them elected to have their junior grant, like travel expenses and entry fees and stuff like that, go to different events because they couldn't make it into Junior Worlds. But we have Emanuele Lazama in playing in the MJ12 division, St- Stacy Haas playing in the FJ18 division, Quentin Penikoff in the MJ10 and under division, Heck yeah. and Brendan Hauser in the MJ15 division. My boy, Brendan. So best of luck to all of them. Uh, hopefully they all tear it up maybe next week we'll go through the results and see where they finish we also have a former foundation sponsored player in luke callahan trying to take down the mj18 division uh, but luck, he's got man. a tough that's, task because tough. cade Philomahala. you might have heard that that's name. that's the most electrifying name ever uh you might have heard that name because he came in fourth place at the challenge at goat hill yeah uh when ricky he was on coverage with like ricky brody mm-hmm. um i think there's another like ultimate player uh, he came in 15th at the otb open and he just came in 16th at the Utah Open, and he finished top 100 at MPO Worlds. And here he is playing MJ18 at oh, Junior Worlds. Is he 18? He's under 18. I don't know what his age technically is. I, someone said he's like 16. But he's just never accepted cash. He's him. won Open Division events. It definitely brings in a question of... Because like people do this for Am Worlds too, where they'll play Open and just yeah. deny cash. But like they'll be destroying open just because they want a chance to win like a junior world title or an am world title. Yeah. You are you cool with that? Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's important. I don't, amateur, I don't know if I like it. Amateur status is completely dependent on whether or not you're paid. That is literally the definition of whether you're an amateur or a professional athlete. I just don't like the idea that you you can like like let's say you wanted to win an amateur world. We have not, but here's the thing though too. We haven't seen an example so severe. It'd be one thing if there was an 18 year old that literally was win- like competing with like the top five every event, and they were still trying to win. I mean, this world. dude came in top 20 at okay, a pro so tour he, event. So he's a he's a five. super promising am, and he'll probably turn pro next year after he just wants to win a, a junior worlds. I don't problem with that, and it's junior worlds. Too, no, I, we're yeah, about. this kid is playing by the rules, so I don't want it to sound like I'm coming after him. It's I'm coming one, at, I just don't know if I like the rules that allows this loophole. That's like it's not. It's that's like literally though. That's sports. Like that's how it's been. That's how it is for every sport. That's am versus pro. But that's like you're not a pro. Like there's amateurs that play in like the U.S. Open in golf. They get invited, but they just won't accept money, and they continue to be amateurs. But in golf, what are like the big amateur events? There's like there is a USAM. Tiger Woods won it. So would that be controversial if Tiger Woods had won the Masters? But I know this isn't the this is a much bigger thing. <laughs> These things would never happen. Though. Okay, let's say that he came in top ten at, or top fifty at the Masters. He would not have been and invited. Didn't accept to, cash. He wouldn't have been invited to the Masters. 
as an am. But I'm just trying to compare it to disc golf. Okay, so let's say he go if he, he the better one would be the U.S. Open because a lot of ams get invited to the U.S. Open. Okay, so he can, comes in because you can qualify locally. He comes top twenty at the U.S. Open, right? And then then two weeks later he goes and plays not U.S. Not a AMs. big deal at all. No one's bad an eye at that. Not a big deal. No, he would just be they would just be like, wow, he's a really promising am. Can't wait to see this guy turn pro. And he probably would if you win am worlds, like you're gonna turn pro. So like, I don't know. It's no, I think I, I don't, I it's don't not a problem like at all. It's not a loophole. <laughs> like, it's just like, that's just the definition of am versus pro sports. You either accept money or but don't. I just don't. If like you're the- sab, if you have the potential to make a ton of money yeah. and you're just sabotaging yourself by continuing to want to win titles that are meaningless, pretty much beyond like their worth and their name, then like, that's your own fault. You know, there's nobody to be mad at, but yourself, that's one less person to beat on the pro side of things. I don't know what I don't like about it. I just don't really like the rule like that. No, it's not an issue. <laughs> Definitely a non issue. What do you think, Connor? Like it, my thing is if you showed up as a sixteen year old to play MJ eighteen, right? To try mm. to win a junior worlds. You've ne- yeah. you've only ever played amateur events, you're a killer. But then you have this guy who's like actually like killing it on the pro tour. And he's in your division. You don't feel like weird about it. You say killing on a pro tour. He's played like what three or four events. Yeah, and he's coming top twenty in them. Okay, but I'm saying like he's not like consistently on tour. He's just played in some pro tour events. What do you think? I'm, I I think it does feel weird. I'm not saying that it's not that it's not just. He's the way playing that it, it by works. the book, so like I'm not. I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's doing the right thing. It, what they're essentially doing is they're just paying for. They're basically just paying to stay in AMS because yeah. by denying cash, they're basically just paying for it. Yeah, and so because they want to win on AM Worlds, probably. Yeah, and it's, I, I, I'm with you. It feels weird. I don't really I, have. I just think kind of like at nationals, there was the rule where like you couldn't be a touring pro for collegiate nationals, right. so you couldn't ex- you like could only There's accept but so much money to before your touring pro. Th- and then the year Colin Carter came into nationals, and it was like calendar year, so January to January of the previous year, he'd accepted less cash than made him a touring pro. But then from January to April. He had accepted like five grand and was over a thousand rated, so he should have been a touring pro. But since the rule was January to January, they let him play in nationals, right. and then like you showed up in singles, he ended up losing. But that was because of a scoring error. Whole different story. Maybe we'll tell that on the Patreon exclusive podcast. Uh, whole different story. Rather funny. Not definitely not funny to him. <laughs> funny being a bystander and watching what all went down. Yeah, because he laid up thinking he was going to win because live <laughs> scoring update. Uh, anyways. <laughs> You went into the week knowing, like, I've got to beat, like, the best player in North Carolina open-wise. Like, this dude's smacking around Barry Schultz and Schwebby, who, shout out to Schwebby, just had his 300th win, second player to ever do it. Um, but this dude's, like, slapping them around week in and week out and then shows up to collegiate nationals at amateur major. And you're like, really? I got to beat him? It just felt weird. I, yeah, not an issue for me. Maybe it's not an issue to anyone. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm weird. All right, on the other side of the coin, we have a Pro Tour event coming to Iowa. This is the like replacement event for what they were planning on doing in Europe. The European events got uh, canceled. Yeah. The Des Moines Challenge. The Des Moines Challenge. Des Moines. The Des Moines Challenge. Des Moines. <laughs> it's like Illinois. Whenever we were talking, like whenever you guys were talking about this earlier before we started the podcast, like you're, whenever you were planning it, were you guys just kidding by calling it Des Moines? Yes. yes. Okay. I just wanted to make sure because <laughs> I corrected you like I actually thought you weren't kidding. Oh, no. Uh, we were 100% kidding. <laughs> all right. That's like, well, growing up, I actually did call it Illinois. I think we all did. Everyone around yeah. here did. Yeah. And then I, uh, there's a guy in my class that was from there and he was like, it's Illinois. Or like Arkansas. How about this? When you're naming your state, 
just don't put an S at the end. Like we just spell it right. I'm sure well, it's it, like a, sure it was named after a person, but like <laughs> let's just call it what it is. Huh? Well, it could have been like you're making names. Just spell it right. Yeah, that's like, uh, <laughs> that's like Stanton around here. Well, that's a whole different story. Uh, yeah. Say that for the Patreon podcast, man. No, I, like, I think it's a funny story. Have you heard the Stanton story? <laughs> no. So how do you say that? It's S T A U N T O N N T O N. So you would call it? I mean, I would probably just say Stanton because that's what I've heard. I feel like. Yeah, so I Stanton. Coming from Pennsylvania, Stanton. the first time I saw it, obviously I called it Staunton. I don't think I've ever seen that word before. So that's I've the whole reason. The whole reason that it's that locals in the South call it Stanton is from the Civil War, apparently. So in the Civil War, they they named it that because there was Northern spies or something like that, and so and to couldn't. be able to out them, they would like say like, "Hey, we're going." Like they would basically like use that, and the Northerners always pronounce it the correct way, which was Staunton. And so then they'd hear you say Staunton, and they would know because like it was an agreement in the South that we're all that we're gonna call all that Stanton. We're gonna <laughs> call all, it Stanton, which they all is agree wrong. That he just didn't wow. know how to read. <laughs> and so now, like people from the South still call it Stanton. That's, that's actually a, the coolest that is thing. So interesting. I would be that's super a, yeah. proud to be from Stanton. Like I'd be like, I'd feel very like that included. is so. Cool. Yeah, when I learned that, it like blew my mind because like people from the North would always call it Staunton. I'm like, well, no, we say it Stanton, and they like, no, that's wrong. I'm like, well, yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, and I, I learned it. I'm like, yeah. oh, like that it's is so interesting. Wrong. I just, love Civil War. It's history. just like just like how everybody down here says tournament instead of tournament, and now I oh, do. That's it. awful. And now tournament I, is terrible. Everyone says tournament. Tournament makes sense because, because it's, it's tour. tour. But <laughs> I'm I say tournament. When I, when I, 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 I literally hear tournament come out of my mouth. Like I can't even say it. I only say tournament now because I've been living down here for long enough to where it just like it happened. I to feel me. like I have yeah. marbles in my mouth if I try saying tournament. But I always grew up saying tournament because that is how the word is pronounced. It's tournament. If you were in the Scripps National Spelling Bee and that was your word, they would say tournament. And I would say, and you'd be like, can you? And you'd go, T U R N. Like I, I don't have a problem with different pronunciations, but like it, it like you it just have like to. With you have to admit it. So do you say like I'm gonna go play this tourney? I yeah, I tourney? used to. Tourney? I used you would really? say tourney. Yeah. Like I agree, what? I agree. It doesn't roll off the tongue, but it is the correct pronunciation. I like it how is. we're making fun of him now. <laughs> like I like as long as you admit that the word should be no, tournament. Yeah. It, it I definitely know. Like, should. Then be I don't tournament. have an issue with it. We can call it tournament all we want. That's cool. fine. English will never make sense. English Let's is just so that. stupid. Yeah, Every, whenever I would ever ask my grandma a question when I was a kid, and I'd be like, "Why is this spelled like this?" She'd be like, "That's just our crazy English language." That's just English, man. Yeah, just English. <laughs> And that's Dallas. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Stanton, I always thought was interesting. Um, and but anyways, back to Des Moines. Des Moines. Back to Des Moines. Back to, back to Des Moines. Des Moines, if you will. I will. <laughs> uh, I've heard some great things about this course. They're about to play the Pickard Park Gold layout. Par 64 for MPO 65. That's a tongue twister, for man. For FPO. Pickard Park Gold. Say parked at Pickard Park like five times fast. Parked at Pickard Park. Parked at Pickard Park. Parked at Pickard Park. <laughs> parked at Pickard Park. Just I'll say stop it slow. Before and you, you say something you shouldn't. I'll start. Stop. I'll say it slow and you speed me up in post. All right. Parked at Pickard Park. Pick, dang it. I still messed up. <laughs> Anyways, Pickard Park Gold. Uh, it, I mean, we already kind of talked about this, but I put it in the notes here where it just, it feels like we're hopping into a second season going back to the pro tour. I know. I gotta catch um, my breath. But I don't. So this is the part we didn't talk about before. Do you remember feeling this way previous years, or is uh, it like mixture of two years off? A, it's tough because we didn't have a world. That's last what I'm year. saying. I've been following disc golf like uber 
closely this year. Um, Cause like when I was in college, I was more of a casual disc golf fan. So like this has been my first full normal season of disc golf as like a somebody who works in disc golf and like is avidly following it. Because yeah. Of the podcast. So it's tough to say. I don't think I've ever felt this way, but also it's tough to say because it may just have had related to the fact that the world's had such a ridiculous ending that it felt yeah. like the finale to a TV show. That's what I was going to say is like, I don't know if it was cause I, I expect credits to start rolling as James <laughs> Conrad is running to the basket and like the time of our lives starts playing. Yeah. Cause I feel like, ends. I feel like I'm following disc golf just as much as I've followed it in the past years. Cause I've always been like a diehard U disc follower and stuff like that. But I don't remember ever feeling like the season was over after worlds. Because I literally feel like we're starting a second season of disc golf right now. And so I feel like it's a combination of we took two years off of Worlds or like missed a year of Worlds. And then we had the craziest finish of all time. Yeah. At Worlds. I think like it was just this culmination where like all of our emotions from the season just like it just felt like the end. Yeah. It felt like just a storybook ending. And now we're like right back into it. I agree with that as well. But it also feels like, like you said, like a new season because it feels like someone was dethroned. Even though Paul wasn't defending, um, technically he was. Yeah, he was. Oh, you're right. You're right. He was. But like, so it, it felt like I think the fact that he was like basically dethroned from world champion made it feel yeah. like that too. Also, I will say, like in golf, I think if he would have won, then it wouldn't have felt like that as much. That's a good point. And in golf too, like with majors, that's just kind of how they typically are. Even in golf, where there's four majors, like you do feel like that happens where you build up to the Masters and then the Masters happen. It's like oh, and then like. The next weekend, you're like, oh, there's golf on again. Like, yeah, it does take like a couple weeks to like get your bearings about till you get to the next major. So that's just kind of how it is. I mean, I think one good thing about it is like, I just feel rejuvenated for disc golf. Like I came out, I came off of Worlds, I don't, and I man. like, I feel like I run over by a truck after watching Paul get his heart ripped out like that, man. <laughs> I feel like I hit by a truck. But like, even like content wise, like everything, I just feel like I have a new outlook on I disc golf felt, right now. I may have felt slightly that way until I played the worst disc golf of my life last night, and just you really didn't play. That I literally, bad. he played. He didn't play that good. It was, bad. <laughs> it was pretty bad. I literally got home, looked at my rack of discs, and was like contemplating listing them all on eBay. <laughs> Just to be dramatic, but also because I felt like I wanted to. And I was like, I don't need all these. You just these. need to get they one good shot the in. They all go into the trees the same. <laughs> you just need to hit that one shot that just like brings I you I almost back. did it, too. On the oh, last yeah. Hole. Maybe save that. We'll save that for the Patreon yeah. podcast, too. But no, that was a baller move. You almost walk off ace the last hole. It would have been crazy. It would have been insane. Ended up, it probably wouldn't have actually mattered because Connor's the clutchest man on earth. No, it would have mattered. If I'd have made that. You would have tied. would have tied, yeah. I would have given up. Would've, I would have conceded. That's probably true, too. I would have conceded, and I was up like 10. <laughs> I would just be like, screw this. I'm walking home. Uh, but let's look at some predictions for the Des Moines Challenge. Um, I'm just, my top three, I think Ricky's going to take it down. I don't know why. I think Calvin's going to come in second, because Calvin always comes in second. And for some reason, I was looking at this list, and Nico LaCastro was just reaching out to me, yelling at me, saying, pick me. And so I put Nico as my third. That's funny you say I that. I went Ricky, Calvin, Nico. I didn't take Nico, but like there was a player to me that was having that same effect. A player that I think is just very due for a win right now, and that player is Kevin Jones. And I'm picking him to win. Oh, you're picking Kevin Jones to win. I'm picking Kevin Jones to win well, looky the here, Des Moines Challenge. And I have Calvin in second because I think he's the other guy that may just absolutely go off for a win. And then Ricky in third. There you go. 
Um, now we also are going to bring back the dark horse picks. Wait, did we go? Did we do an FPO? Well, well I was going to do the dark, dark horse pick FPO. for MPO two, and then I have like one other thing I want to follow for MPO, and then we'll go into FPO okay. prediction. Before we do this, I have a question. Yeah. This is so dumb, but I am on the PDGA website on the Des Moines Challenge twenty twenty one. Ewing Flex Start. Mm-hmm. Nope. There's different. It's okay. a different event. That's what, what's it called then? It's presented it's, by Discraft. And yeah, it should have DGPT in front of it. Okay. Because I did not see that. All right. Continue what you're doing. Well, I'm going to let Trevor say I found it. his Dark Horse pick first. Listen, my Dark Horse pick, uh, he's 999 rated from Iowa, and his name is Eric Shomo. Cheap. And I thought, what did you say over there, Chick fil A boy? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, everybody knows that now Eric Shomo is going to suffer a tragic end because I just picked him. But I thought that name is really cool, and he's high rated from Iowa. So, like, you know, I might as well just try. I'm going along the same train of thought, but I'm picking someone. Wait, where's your guy even from? Let me scroll down and find your guy. Well, yeah, but like, what city in Iowa? I don't know. You went Eric Shomo, Norwalk? Yeah, that's so Uh, far away from Des Moines. That's so far away. That's hours. It's it's the next town over, man. That's hours from Des Moines. (laughs) I'm picking a local boy, Matt Polson, 990 rated from Des Moines, Iowa. That's a lot of pressure, man. 990. A lot of pressure. Matt, he he designed the course, actually. He put that course in. That course is in before he was born, man. Grow up. (laughs) I'm going to actually look this up. uh, Connor, who you got? Are you picking your guy right now? Connor's like... (laughs) I'm uh, going to look up Norwalk to Des Moines. He I'm picks, gonna like, the first guy in alphabetical. I'll take Alvin Alverstein. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go with um, John Jones. Da, 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 da. John Jones is there. Oh, 20 rated, minutes. Norwalk. Nine ninety six. Nine ninety six. John Jones. Where's yeah. he from? He's from Kansas City. Kansas City, Missouri. Missouri? That's where. Or Missouri. There's a Kansas, Kansas City, City Missouri. Kansas. And, or is it St. Louis? Yeah, there's a Kansas City. Kansas He's from too. Kansas City, Kansas City, Kansas City, Kansas City, Missouri. New York, yes, New York, Missouri. Yes, Missouri, the United States. He's he's three hours away from the course. That's that pretty far, bud. He's never. Yeah, been. I cho- you know why I chose him? Because I thought he was going to do good. Ooh, All right, well, we'll see. Coffee's back on the line. Connor, actually, Connor hasn't paid for the Chick Fil A. Yeah, who? So I was confused. The money has you to have go to, Venmo to me Trevor because 10 bucks. I pay for right. Hunter's okay. Chick Fil A. Gotcha. Ten yeah. bucks. Come Trevor's wife brought us Chick Fil A. Basically, and I placed my order. There's a, I collect 600% interest, though, on late payments. So, so. <laughs> that's going to be $60. The other person I, I think will be interesting to see is where James Conrad finishes. Coming off his first world championship, he did play at the Majestics so, last week. I'm not as interested now that I've seen him. And came in 12th there. But it wasn't against a full-blown pro tour field. So yeah. I, I just feel like it has to be weird. Kind of like we're talking about it's weird, like, watching it. But, like, imagine James Conrad, like, you just achieved probably your disc golf dream. Like, it's got to be everyone's yeah. disc golf dream. You just achieved, like, your career dream in the craziest fashion ever. And then it's like, oh, you're, you're right back on tour, bud. Like, go kill him. You know what I mean? Like, you just reached the pinnacle of your career. Yeah. As far as, like, you're now a world and U.S. champion. That's crazy. And then you just got to go back on tour. The next, that's, like, that's impressive company right there. World yeah, and U.S. that's what I'm saying. A lot There's of guys have done very that. few people in that. Here's the thing. Um... Man, that would have been a great trivia question, you idiot. You <laughs> <laughs> world and U.S. champions? Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I had to think Ken Climo, Paul McBeth, James Conrad, Barry Schultz. Barry Schultz. Dave Feldberg? I think so. I can't really think past that. I don't think Dawes has a U.S., does he? I don't know. 
In maybe any, that's maybe that's a no, I can't can't be a future trivia question. In any question. case, um, I yeah, I think James Conrad's season is just going to look like the beginning of it did. He's just going to like every once in a while be have a chance at winning and just have a lot of top tens, top fifteens. Like yeah, worlds. He just strung it all together for a week, and like that's what that's what it takes to win a major or any event. Really, is you just got to put it all together for a week, and that's just that's the disc golf scenery. It's a, it's really hard to win. Extremely hard, to and win. we almost somehow worlds almost did the thing it does, where like all of the the best players rose to the top, and like one of our best players almost won worlds again. And now James Conrad is still one of our best players, He's six in the world right now. Right, but I'm saying like it's worlds have do, has done this weird thing over the last few decades, where like it, where it was like Climo, Paul, and Ricky winning all the worlds. Which is just super crazy that tournament does that. And it used to be because there was a million rounds. I think it's just because the you don't get to be a top player in the world without like a clutch factor and knowing how to win. Right. And James has the clutch factor. I'll yeah, tell you that much. Absolutely. And so I think that when world shows up and everyone feels that pressure of yeah. like it's a world championship, <laughs> then it's gonna cause the top to rise to the top. Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with it. The pressure for sure. Yeah. That's why I see guys like Sexton hanging around too. Yeah, because he's just he's been there. He knows what yeah. to do. Um, on FPO prediction wise, I've got Paige Pierce taking it down. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Kristen Tatar, I'm have coming in second, and I have Katrina Allen finishing in third. I got Katrina first, Paige second, Kristen third. I think Katrina might be on cloud nine. Like I don't, I think the rest of her season could be really good. Oh yeah. So uh, you know, on MPO, I think seeing where James finishes after winning. It's going to be interesting. On FPO, I think seeing where Paige finishes after losing is going to be the more interesting yeah. storyline. Because if she comes back and does what I just predicted where she wins, rest of the season, typical Paige, you know, she just happened to lose yeah, Worlds. she takes another bad loss. But that yeah, could be real interesting. Because she was starting to have a dominant year. She had won, like, what, five straight? Four or five straight? She was definitely picking up steam. Elite Series events leading into Worlds, but then lost Worlds in a very unpaged fashion. Basically just... I mean, for lack of a better term, it choked away. it away on she 18. Threw it away, yeah. Uh, I expect Cat to just be Cat, and she's going to be up there in contention because she's she's like the Calvin Heimberg of FPO, where she's always around. She's always up yeah. there. So I expect Cat to be up there. I think it's just going to be interesting to see what Paige does and how Paige reacts. So this is Paige's first tournament back since Worlds. Also, another interesting thing is we don't see Eagle McMahon on the list to be at this tournament. Yeah. He takes breaks sometimes during the season. Yeah, I haven't really seen him post about like he's taking a break intentionally or like the reasoning behind is it. Simon or like that. there? Conspiracy theory time is Simon. Oh, there. is there like some sneaky Discmania stuff That's going what I'm on? Saying, is there like a sneaky Discmania uh, event uh, thing uh, that they need to be doing? Let's see. Let's see. Unlock the conspiracy. Is Simon at this event? Um, let me scroll. What's Simon rated? Uh, I don't know. Probably ten thirty some. Okay, he. I'm down ten fifteens, and there is no Simon. So it looks like there could be some sneaky disc mania things happening. What if they're filming something? You never maybe, know. Maybe, 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 maybe. Wow. Interesting. Just interesting, remember I said that when the new disc mania Corvette comes out. It's a brand new electric car. <laughs> ah, man. Italian made. It's Ferrari. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which, update on that. We have officially gotten our hands on a P2, a prototype P2. Yeah. Plastic feels great. Disc feels great. It's mm-hmm. a great feeling disc. We feels also, great. Uh, we handle like some charity auction stuff for the Paul McBeth Foundation. Um, like stuff will come into us and they'll run the auction and then we ship it out. One of the discs that I don't think they've put on auction yet, but I'm sure it's okay for me to say because they're going to put it up auction at some point, is the new C-Line PD. So we got to feel the Italian done plastic. 
Italian blend plastic. I don't know what I said there. Uh, it's, I don't really think there's too much like exactly comparable on the market, but it's, I feel like the, personally, I felt like the plastic it was closest to is champion. I think so. Which I think that is great news for Discmania. Mm-hmm. And also the PD felt like a PD. You hand me that, I'm guessing it's a PD every time in my hand. It's really impressive. This mania is onto something. They yeah, are really. There onto is something. nothing bad about the plastic. No, yeah, no. it feels great. The only great. thing we, we all know is durability. Yeah, and yeah. obviously we can't throw a charity disc into a wall and we test can, it. But we yeah. could, but that would kind of make us scumbags. <laughs> uh, but the P2, we're definitely gonna do a review of and stuff. Hopefully, we can find a uh, old D1 or old T1, old an P2. old D line P2. Do you still have yours? Any of your P2s? Yeah, I got rid. I, of I've mine, never owned man, one. I he got away. rid of his. Connor I got, got rid of his. Of so my well, brother-in-law threw I one might. threw one into a lake a couple months ago. So we can just go swim in that lake. S line, S line, mm. uh, P two. Yeah, that's where somebody we can get one. We'll find someone somewhere. But I know where I could get one. Your brother? No, Pete Meekly. Oh, he's got P 2s for galore. Dang. I'm sure of it. There we go. Why did I not hold on to those? You could have been every sing every single week on the podcast. Whenever we bring up Dismania, that's all I think in my head is why did I get rid of those? Yeah, I had love, a, almost a full Dismania. Luckily, bag. I didn't own a ton of Dismania. To I had so I much Dismania. Nah, the only Dismania I have is in my bag. Being a, a disc golfer and being in college is rough because any anytime you <laughs> are you really getting a phone call right now? Sorry. How unprofessional! <laughs> As I've like sat over here on my phone half the show, <laughs> um, but like. I just lost my train of thought. Oh, it's so it's so hard to be in college and like and be a disc golfer because that just means you're broke and at any second you have or any chance you have, you're gonna trade in all of your discs to get like one other disc from played again. It's true. I traded in all my discs for a set of golf clubs. All my pro one of my prodigy allotments. Nice. Like sixty some prodigy discs. You're going to disc golf jail for yeah, that. Yeah, if you go to the plate again in uh in Lynchburg, all prodigy is in the is in the use section. Yeah, just from our from Liberty players. And it's all brand new. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was a time where the whole used like basket was just my prodigy stuff. I used to and it all ton, had my name on the bottom. I used to have a ton of stuff in that use section. I used to buy so much stuff with the teammates' names on it. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's what we did. We cycled stuff, through man. it. That's right. Is it reused? Um but yeah, I mean the D line plastic from Discmania. It has almost like a, a. Is that even what they're ca- going to call it? I think so. It's incredible. It's got like a. It feels a better grip than P line it. used to. It's got a it, texture that I haven't felt in other plastics. It, yeah, it, it definitely. Yeah. It doesn't. I don't really know what baseline to compare it to. We're not being paid to say this either. No, <laughs> by no. no means. Unless you want Unless to. Unless you want mania. to. There's <laughs> always the option. Uh, but no, like it, it genuinely. I haven't. I've personally never even thrown a P2. They're so amazing. We'll probably have to have Trevor do the review. I'll know the difference. Yeah. I threw them more than anything else in yeah. my entire bag. So we'll probably have to, we'll probably do a mixed review of Trevor and I. So like you can see a first time just putter thrower, first time putter thrower, but like a <laughs> first time thrower with a P2 who just likes putters and then someone who used to throw a P2 all the time. Uh, but very promising stuff. And when I felt it and I was like, this feels very similar to Champion, just like a little different, I was like, that's great news for them and for me because i want to see line md3 still so very exciting stuff they're also all pdg approved now mm-hmm. another update uh i don't know if how that works that like the prototypes were sent out and then they got pdg approved like does that make the prototypes pdg approved or like now uh, any runs going forward are pdg approved uh nobody's gonna care yeah i mean i'm I not care. calling anyone on it i'm yeah. calling them on it good thing connor doesn't play tournaments anymore <laughs> uh, did you ever got play me. tournaments just in just college team. yeah Makes sense. Good for you, man. All right, we're going to wrap up the show with a make that call. 
Uh, this one is going to be a pretty specific scenario, and some people will know where I got the scenario from. Okay. Um, so, Trevor, let me paint you in this scenario here. Okay. You're playing in a tournament on a course that uses logs and large branches to line fairways and greens and stuff like that. You walk up to a pretty scenic hole. There's down logs kind of like marking the green a little bit. Player's drive on your card lands right next to one of these logs. He proceeds to move it as it is dead and unattached. Is this, in this scenario, allowed? Ah. And the log is behind his lie. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in, if it were just a branch, he would be able to move it. Correct. But it's just the fact that it's been intentionally placed right. and like is used to line the fairways and stuff I'm like that. I'm pretty sure there's a rule where brush and things of that nature that are meant to be in place to like define the course are not allowed to be moved so that's my call so that's correct yeah so a player must choose the stance that results in the least movement of any obstacle that is permanent or an integral part of the course a player may move casual obstacles that are partially or completely on the lie or in the stance area regardless of whether they extend in front or behind the lie a casual obstacle is any item or collection of loose debris such as stones leaves twigs or unconnected branches or any item as designated by the director so that happened at uh, Worlds. I believe it was Paul. People have been like saying Paul cheated because apparently he moved. I didn't actually see this instance, but apparently he moved a log that people were saying was like intentionally put there as like an integral part of the course. Interesting. So that's where I painted that scenario from. How can you like? How do you make that clear that it's part of the course? You'd have to, know, you'd have to throw a provisional and get permission from the. You have to ask the director. Yeah, the I mean, director. It, I think it depends on where it is because like the card can decide if like the map has the log on it. Mm -hmm. that's a pretty good indicator like yeah, hey that log's there but like it's also like we did it at camp hideaway some where like the fairways would be lined with like fairway logs but those we would in the players meeting say you're allowed to move them if you need to but if we hadn't said that those would technically be a part of the course because it's pretty obvious that like these are in a perfectly straight line lining the fairway yeah. type thing or like if you have like two logs on the sides and then you have to like go through type thing sometimes you can just easily tell Obviously, Paul didn't intentionally cheat, so he must have just not thought that was a part of it, but people were saying, like, oh, it was clearly it was a part of the course. So that's kind of where that came from, because I was like, it is interesting, because, like, if you use something that normally is very, like, you just move it, but, like, use it for course design, like, it, where is that line? And it's a pretty clearly defined line, I feel like, yeah. in the in the rule book. Um, but that's going to wrap it up for this week's show. You've heard us hint at it some, but we are starting up an exclusive podcast for our Patreons. Uh, for every single tier. So the $5, $15, and $50 tiers will all have access to our exclusive uh, podcast can be happening once a week. So if you enjoy the podcast and wish it was longer or you just want more content, um, we're not going to be talking about like current events per se. It's going to be, we're calling it the Bogey Bro Banter. Uh, so basically, it's just going to be sitting back, story time, talking about what's going on with disc golf, with the shop, whatever, uh, stuff like that. But links in the description if you want to check that out or you can head over to patreon.com slash golf. Uh, it sounds like this first week we're going to be talking about, uh, I have a story to tell about my dad's almost first ace as well as Trevor's almost first ace. And then, um, first ace. <laughs> not first ace, almost walk-off ace at last week's weekly. And then uh, I'm sure we'll talk about some other random stuff as it comes up and we always go on tangents. So if you want to access to that as well as an exclusive video every month and your name on the Patreon wall of fame. Those are three new benefits that we just added to every single tier. Every tier. You can head over to foundation or patreon.com slash foundation disc golf or check the link in the description below. And other than that, we will talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>